After you've had it, there isn't even a life without drugs. This week on the podcast, Go Ask Alice by Anonymous. Welcome to Teen Creeps, the podcast about YA pulp fiction. I am one of your hosts, Lindsay Katai. I am another one of your hosts, Kelly Nugent. And today on the podcast, as previously said, and week by week, I don't know why I ever repeat this because you literally heard it three seconds ago. <laughs> Go ask Alice. <laughs> <laughs> With us today, we have a very special guest, comedy writer, comma, performer, comma, and musician, <laughs> period. Greg Smith, period. Thank you so much. So double underlined. Ooh. Exclamation point at the Italics? end. Italics? Uh, let's not get crazy. Okay, wow. We're starting off the night. I have a question for you all. When you text, mm-hmm, or yes. when you receive a text message that doesn't have any punctuation, mm-hmm. do you feel weird? Do you feel like the person doesn't is mad at you? It depends. It depends on the person. But I feel weird sending one without punctuation just because I feel like I've lost a little bit of respect for myself. Mm. I won't lose respect for the other person because I get it. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is a stickler like I am. Mm -hmm. But if I don't at least adhere to my standards, then I'm like, what are we even doing in this world? Mm. So you're you're willing to forgive the other person, but Mm -hmm. not yourself? Isn't that where we all are? Whoa. Whoa. But the reason for that is that I'm a stupid bitch who doesn't deserve love. Mm. Um, (laughs) As a guest, I don't know if it's my place to say I 100% agree. <laughs> you get the instinct that it's because, like, we don't really know each other, but yeah. you get you snap judgments are often yeah accurate. What my gut is telling me, yeah, I'm a stupid <laughs> bitch who doesn't deserve love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's why I have to use punctuation and text messages. Uh-huh. <laughs> I often will do periods a lot, and like I understand that it comes off as like rude and like like because a lot of times if someone asks me a question and the answer is no, I'll be like no period, Ooh. and then I'll clarify. Like the thing that I meant to say was this, period. When in my head, I'm just saying it. Yeah. Um, but I know they're gonna take it as like me being like, no, you fucking idiot. But I just choose not to change my behavior. I just let them I just let them think it. No, I think that's good. I think you're fine. Mm. I don't think you should, because that's the normal way to write mm-hmm. things in the English language with proper punctuation. I don't use a ton of exclamation points unless I'm like Actually, on social media, I will, but like in text, I don't. Mm-hmm. I deploy exclamation marks because then people will often feel that I'm being. If you use them, that I'm being mad without them. You without you also them. are so great with emojis. You you oh, are you. a very good emoji I, user. I really resisted. I resisted <laughs> LOL, mm-hmm. and I resisted emojis super hard. And now I'm like, just get with the times, Kate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta <laughs> use those emojis. And now I use them in place of whole sentences. Yeah, you but do. But they do often express more than you can with a sentence. This is true. Like my sister going through some health problems. Oh, her no. doctors just told her she has fibromyalgia. Oh, no. Which is that's so hard. A chronic lifelong pain problem. Yeah. And it's like, what do you say to that? She's like, I had to go to eight different pharmacies trying to get them to refill my prescription. They were all out. So now I'm without pain meds. Until Wednesday. Mm. And I was like, what do you say to that? So what I said to that was sad face tear. 
Mm. Because it said, "Wait, was it the one where <laughs> the tears are joke. like rivers?" No, no that's like too anime. Tier. Oh, oh, river tears are more of a joke. Yeah, like, yeah I'll no, do that's that why I was like, like, "Oh my god, did you see last night's Battlestar Galactica?" Yeah. Wow. Fountain tears. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not have a smartphone when Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I went to that first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that seems disingenuous. Single tear though seems appropriate. But that is super crazy that that's what I just said I used it in response mm. to is that my sister's dealing with lifelong chronic she, pain. And I was like, mm, sad face, single tear. Mm-hmm. How did she take that? The, well, the she took it well. She like understood the genuine earnestness behind it? I, I believe so. We're close and we really are like always on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. Oh, we that's don't good. tend to misinterpret things. We'll get in fights, but we don't. We tend to like know that the other person is coming from a good place, mm-hmm. like in response to all of this. Because this was like a revelation last week, end mm. of last week. Mm-hmm. Older or younger sister? Younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's been having this chronic pain for like a year and a half. And it's been just a nightmare for her to try to figure out what the fuck is up. And then last week they're like, it's fibromyalgia, which is basically like, we don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. Yeah but you're going to be in pain for the rest of your life because we don't know what to do about it. Here's a lifelong supply of pain meds. Mm, That's so hard. So my response was just like, I wish that I knew how to respond to this right now. And I love you. And she was like, that is the best way Mm -hmm. to respond. Where does she live? Here in Los Angeles. Well, it's nice that you can, I I think... For things like that, just being physically there for someone can be the best thing. So it's nice that you can be there for her, yeah, literally whenever you need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like my when whenever something is like, I think we might have talked about this when you came on Hellmouthy, mm-hmm. but like when you're dealing with something like so, I don't something that uh, no one else can help you with really. Like the best thing is for a person to just quietly be there with you and not yeah, expect you to yeah, and Hellmouthy. not expect you to be like um like not need to be needed yeah 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 Yeah. exactly yeah i think that's if you do that god bless yeah you it's (laughs) important to make the other person or to make sure the other person doesn't feel like you need some you need comforting from them exactly yeah like their problem yeah Mm -hmm. like i if, if i'm going through something really hard I don't also need the added pressure of like making you feel like you're doing a good job mm-hmm. helping. Yeah. It's like when you're mad at somebody and they apologize in a way that makes you feel like now you need to comfort them. Right. That yeah. fucking sucks. Well, because like fucking... the only thing they want to hear I mean, is like, thank you for apologizing. Or like, uh, yeah. yeah, like, or it's okay or whatever. Or like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. I will, I'll be more mindful of that in the future. Or I didn't mean that. I meant this or. Something like that instead of like, I'm the worst. I'm so sorry. Like, how do you even put up with me? Yeah. Like, oh, fucking now I have to deal with your neuroses about Mm -hmm. the fact that like you missed my birthday party or whatever. (laughs) Whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sorry that you missed my birthday party now. Yeah. What a burden for you. My favorite kind of apology I don't know. If, well, it's the way that I usually apologize when I'm actually feeling like, very contrite. Top 10 apologies. <laughs> top 10 apologies. <laughs> but if I'm actually trying to be like contrite and like I'll usually be like, um, there's no excuse. I'm just sorry. And that's it. Yeah. Like I had like I shouldn't have hurt you or whatever. And or, then like, I'm just sorry. And that's it. Not yeah. like, oh, my God, I'm like the worst oh piece God, of poop on the floor. Even look at me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll usually say, like, you're completely right. I'm completely in the wrong. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. It won't happen again. Do you mm. need to hear the words, the literal words, I'm sorry, or I apologize in an apology? I think so. Well, I think I, so, too. I, I think so, it too. It depends. Like, maybe there's a case. Nah, I think I need to hear I'm sorry. Yeah. Someone maybe not. I apologize, though. Maybe not. I apologize. That's, That's very formal. formal. It's a yeah, little formal. At least in person, Putting maybe. In by, <laughs> but like maybe by yeah. text, I'd be like, "That's that's fine." But in in person, I would be like, "Oh, you're a robot." Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Or, or like, you know, what? I should not have done that. I apologize. Or it, yeah, it more seems like I'm announcing my action instead of uh, feeling like I am yeah. sorry. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I'm picturing it though in person, and I think I could. I'm sure if you've someone, done it well though. If someone has been like, oh, you know what? I apologize. Like that sounds normal to me. Maybe but, like, I me, apologize I... for my actions in the past. Yeah. Is very like I've made note of them. <laughs> <laughs> I will be correcting these within my brain. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Greg? Uh, I was gonna do a bit, but then you basically oh. did it. Okay, great. <laughs> and here we check are check it off mm-hmm. the list oh, so instead, I'm sorry re- I did that bit no it's right? okay I'll say a real thing instead <laughs> uh, I bring that up because recently someone did something that was weird mm-hmm. that I felt weird about and I talked to them about it and they never actually said the words I'm sorry they just said I don't like that I made you feel bad is what they said mm. okay yeah, well that's I thought a that was lottie fucking da I thought that was str- good for you strange mm. I don't enjoy this feeling I have of you being displeased with me. It's also, not a fun feeling yeah, for me. Yeah, it's a very like, let's frame it. I don't I don't like that I made you feel bad. Almost. I mean, it doesn't put the onus on you, but it's kind of like, I don't like that, like, that something I did made you feel bad. Mm-hmm. It's again, like you have to take away their bad feelings about what they mm-hmm. did. Yeah, And it also bullshit. like externalizes. It's like almost like this that like something i did just yeah Yeah. made you feel bad so it's like instead of like being like a direct like i did something and it hurt you it's like at the very least out in the air like oh i'm sorry i made you feel that way Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. like i'm really sorry i made you feel that way i don't like hmm or i don't like that i could be that kind of person say oh i'm sorry you were offended by that because that makes it seem like Oh, I'm so sorry that your reaction is a problem for you. Mm-hmm. It's yes. got to be. I'm sorry I made you feel what yeah. you're feeling. That I, yes. I'm sorry that I was the cause mm-hmm. of you feeling bad. Yeah. Not, I'm, I feel bad that I hurt you. What, or, was, the, what was the wording again? That, was, that sounded okay to I me. I think it was, I don't like that I made there you feel is. bad. There it is. Yeah. No, that's not okay. The way I put it was still okay, so I got confused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, because yeah. the yeah. way that they put it sucks. I don't like that yeah. I made you feel bad. It's just, it's like a Rube Goldberg device of a sentence. Like, why is it so, <laughs> yeah. like, where did that just, ball start? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wh- where's the egg that cracked and cooked? Like, it's I like, don't acknowledge that, like, you put the ball into that Rube Goldberg yes, exactly. machine. Otherwise, exactly. you're, this is a cop out. Mm-hmm. So, fuck that person, Greg. You were right. Yeah, in the, in the court you're of right. Podcast law. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Or podcast court of law. There mm-hmm. we go. There we go. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've won the case. Verdict decided. Mm-hmm. Do I get a settlement check in the mail, or how does that work? Um, <laughs> I don't like that we can't give you one. Yeah. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was gaslighting 101. Great. Um, speaking of fuck those things, fuck this book. Oh my. Fucking God. Fuck this book. Do you want to go ahead and read the back before we get so wrapped up in how bananas this book is? Read her diary. Enter her world. 
you will never forget her. It started when she was served a soft drink laced with L- LSD in a dangerous party game. Within months. That's true, I forgot. About that. <laughs> it was so early in the mm-hmm. game. <laughs> within months. Within months, she was hooked, trapped in a downward spiral that took her from her comfortable home and loving family to the mean streets, <laughs> to the mean streets of an unforgiving city. It was a journey that would rob her of her innocence, her youth, and ultimately her life. Yeah, they really gave that away. I'm glad they really say, did. Because yeah. that was not apologue read the material. back of the book, and then I was very surprised when she was dead. All of a sudden, <laughs> in a in very a very terse one page. Yep. Summary. Yeah, it's like by the way, it was her birthday, and she dying. Nobody knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her parents. Was it an accidental overdose or purposeful? No one knows. Done. And 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 also, okay. I wanted to read one of the reviews on here. They were uh, oh, those reviews because it's yeah. from Amazon.com. Yes. <laughs> they included an Amazon I don't think review. It was a user review, but it was like an Amazon in like editor review. <laughs> Who writes mm-hmm. those? Yeah, uh, I, I that jumped out at me too. The torture and hell of adolescence has rarely been captured as clearly as it is in this classic diary of an anonymous, addicted teen. It has made a profound impact on millions of readers during the more than 25 years it has been in print. Still offers a jolting chronicle of a teenager's life spinning out of control. (laughs) Amazon.com. The one that really tickles me is Booklist's review that just ends with, has the ring of authenticity. Because <laughs> yep. uh, yep. it's not it, it real. Has I don't a, know what, uh, a taste of authenticity. I don't know what book they were reading. I, I really need to know what year these reviews were written. Yes. yes. I mean, Amazon.com went, I was like, at least 97. <laughs> yeah. But the other ones, I'm like, New York Times, you damn well better have written this in 1968 mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck. Yeah. yeah. I kept 71. looking at, yeah, 71. 71. I kept I re-reminding kept, yeah. myself. So when did this come out? I okay. would like to read. <laughs> I just wrote down the dates for all the beginning from when it goes like uh, LSD soda mm-hmm. to her pushing drugs yeah. on nine year olds, yep. on eight year olds, and to finding her children. boyfriend fucking her friend's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna read that. Okay, so July 10th, 1967, which from online that was the like generally agreed upon year mm-hmm. it started. Um, LSD party, July 20th, 10 days later, torpedoes with Bill, shooting speed. Mm-hmm. So this has only been 10 days. Mm-hmm. August 3rd, acid party. August 6th, lose virginity on acid. August 10th, Gramps sleeping pills. August oh, yeah. 23rd, tranquilizers. Mm-hmm. September 6th, it's been like two months at this point. Yeah. September 6th, uh, she's starting to wear fringe and he's, she's straightening her hair, you guys. Like no, she's like a hippie. Fucking hippie right away. September 10th, she's doing hearts and tranks. What's hearts? Are hearts just like pick me up speed? I, I don't know. I that up and I ran out of time. Um, <laughs> September 23rd, Dexie's at school, tranks at home. She says man. Yeah, she says yeah. man. She uses the word man like, hey man, quit. Yep. Don't lay your trip on me or whatever. The 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 entry where she like right after she tries, I think weed for the first time, she starts with friend. I was like, oh yeah. damn. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got then. So that was September twenty third. She says, "Man." Uh-huh. <laughs> September twenty sixth, pot and Richie. Oh right, October fifth. Oh, also, she got to pot like 
three months after gateway drug LSD. LSD. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And then speed before. Yes. Oh, yeah. And she's uh, shooting acid. I, I was like, okay. So, so or, uh, October 5th, selling pot to high schoolers to support Richie and Ted. October 8th, start selling acid instead of pot. October 17th, selling acid to an eight-year-old. And she is sure he's in turn pushing to younger kids. Why? Even Why younger, is she sure of this? Why would, she, why would he be doing that? <laughs> and October 18th, finds Richie and Ted screwing. So it went from July 10th to October 18th. That, that is no not time. any that time. Not any time mm-hmm. at all. She turned into a hippie drug addict who sells drugs to eight-year-olds. In no time. In mm-hmm. what? What is that? Two months? Three months? August, September, October. Three months. Three months. Three months. Three months. Mm-hmm. This fucking book. The length of an improv class, I want to say. It's half a mess hall team. Yeah, half a mess hall team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Improv class. Eight mm-hmm. weeks. Yep. And she starts the book with like, well, gee, Willikers, like, I yeah. really hope that. And then like, I ate six delicious French fries today. Oh, my God. My French diet. fried potatoes. Yeah. How she kept referring to <laughs> them. I wrote that down. Mm-hmm. It's like, no one calls these, these this. No. I had a basket of French fried potatoes. Mm-hmm. I apologize. <laughs> it was so interesting. It was a one-to-one change. The moment drugs entered her, yep. her entire yep. language changed. Yes, entire it entirely changed. Like, it really was. It like, was instant. She went from Gidget to, <laughs> to like, Robin Wright in Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good pull. Thank you. <laughs> Jenny. Jenny in Forrest Gump. I mean, she, like, go ask Alice. I... When I read this as a teenager, which I did, and I was horrified, and I definitely thought this was a real book. Me too. Um, I did not understand that it was a um a line from that uh Jefferson airplane song. Yeah. Go mm. ask Alice, I guess also the title. Um, yeah, so I didn't get that it was like a drug song. Mm. <laughs> I just thought they decided that was her name. That's what I thought too, and then I got That's, confused I mean, when they brought up the character good, Alice. Like double it's doing it's doing two things, but I, yeah, I didn't get that that was a song. I just thought that they decided her name was Alice. Yeah, that's how I referred to her in my notes. Yeah, I oh. think of her as Alice. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just found, <laughs> um, so she goes from like, so th- this is right after the first time that she's had LSD mm-hmm. and she's like trying to get her hands on some fucking pot because mm-hmm. she's like, I'm just so curious. I must try it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the, the, this is before and after. On the way to the library, I met Bill. He's taking me out tonight. I can't wait to see what happens. It's a completely new world that I'm exploring, and you can't even conceive the wide new doors that are opening up before me. I feel like Alice in Wonderland. Maybe Lewis G. Carroll was on drugs, too. Mm-hmm. Next one. Dear close, warm, intimate friend diary, what a fantastic, unbelievable, expanding, thrilling week I've had. It's been like... Wow, the greatest thing that has ever happened. <laughs> Remember I told you I had a date with Bill? Well, he introduced me to torpedoes on Friday and <laughs> speed on Sunday. Torpedoes, torpedoes on Friday and speed on Sunday. What are torpedoes, by the way? I'm going to look it up. Uh, I'm guessing just um, uppers? Yeah, like amphetamines. Just some kind of, yeah. There's so much but drug slang in this book, you guys. But it did, like, October of the year before, she was going, the movie was fun with Scott. We went out after, and I ate six wonderful, delicious, mouth-watering, delectable, heavenly french fries. That was really living in itself. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 
I gotta say, she's before she did drugs, about she was fries. a dud. Oh, she, she was sucks. so boring. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Drug slang dictionary. Yeah, torpedoes are marijuana and crack mixed together. Well, then she tried. The she tried marijuana. Crack, crack wasn't around until like the eighties. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think it might have Although given me an incorrect whatever, um, crack. What is crack? How did it start? Uh, well. The conspiracy theory is that it was invented by the government to put into the right. inner cities to Nixon. kill everyone. Yeah. 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 But it's like highly synthetic form of cocaine, I think. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it says um marijuana and crack on here, but I don't I don't know. It was funny to me. There was there was so much arcane drug slang. And for most of it, they just use the word and then move on. <laughs> there was one point in the book where she uses the word shit. Like, ah, oh, we were doing yep. a bunch of shit. Asterisk. And I was like, what? And I looked down and it said, asterisk, drugs. Drugs. <laughs> like, the one time we indicate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I found French fried potatoes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and then, I cut my last class and went by the drugstore and had a chocolate malt, a double yeah. order of French fried potatoes, and a giant Hershey bar. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that she does drugs if she talks about food like this. Like, she is getting fucking high yeah, off this food. She is, like, intensely addictive personality. Yes, mm-hmm. she has an addictive personality. She, to me, I felt like she was clinically depressed. She was yeah. clinically depressed. And yeah, I felt yeah, like yeah. she was dealing with an eating disorder. Yes, the eating disorder was very prevalent mm-hmm. throughout the first half oh, of yeah, the book. For and sure. so I, I feel like if we're showing a person's descent into like horror and madness, that's what we need to focus yeah. on, not the drugs. There's too many things happening here. Yeah, it doesn't at all go into her state of mind as opposed to what she takes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think this book, this book felt so puritanical. Yes. And I think this oh, book yeah. was kind of making the argument that depression even... begets drugs, drugs begets pre- mm-hmm. uh, depression, and depression is a bad thing to look down upon. Well, it did It did seem to demonize it because it was like linking like her like bad feelings, I'm doing like air quotes here for the listener, with like, well, if you feel bad, then you're gonna, you're gonna be a weakling and you're mm-hmm. gonna um, eat a bunch of french fried potatoes and then classically do heroin. Yeah. And so in, a like, in a month. In a month, you'll sell to eight-year-olds. I was wondering who will sell if the, to two-year-olds. Yeah, who will sell to two-year-olds? Because, you like know, babies. like, once you start the eight-year-olds, how are they going to, in turn, get it if they don't start pushing mm-hmm. it on the preschoolers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, those preschoolers Oof. are going to get it either way. I know. So, so just, I mean, it may as well be from you. That's yeah. the mentality mm-hmm. of an eight-year-old anyway. <laughs> They're very um, good at rationalization, eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They explain mm-hmm. away a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Classic. Um, it's weird because it it definitely is like you do one drug and you may as well kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And it is like, oh, depression is bad, but it does go into like so much because her mom is encouraging her to eat. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the mom mm-hmm. is telling her, leave with you. So it did also seem to have a message either of kids, you need to talk to your parents about how you feel. Or parents, you need to talk to your kids more. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, that. like in a way, it seems like the writer, the Mormon lady writer of this, mm-hmm. which is actually the what it is. That's not me being hyperbolic. Yeah. No. It was a Mormon lady. Yeah, um, you could feel it. You mm-hmm. could feel it you on feel every it. page, every jumping page. off it's, the page. It's just like mm, Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> get that Mormon flavor. Mm-hmm. So it's like. In that way, it isn't that the drug was the origin. The origin was 
a lack of communication yeah. between kids and parents. Yeah. I mean, they're also just like, which I, that's kind of a good message. Sure. Yeah. Like open but, those avenues, guys. But there's a, there's a cynical reading of it too. And it's kind of the reading I took. I think this book is so heavy handed with the uh, uh, parental generation is correct. The young generation is incorrect. Yes. And I think this kind of stuff could be read in that way. There's so much stuff about like, oh, when my mom and dad in- are so understanding and forgiving. I should just, I'm so lucky to have them. My parents called just to tell me how much they appreciated yeah. me and I couldn't stop crying. Like it did seem like the parents and there is some weird framing of like when she's talking about the protesting kids at Berkeley, like mm-hmm. that was weird because it definitely sounded like an adult person being like, these kids are just oh, reactionary. Sure. Yeah. And it was like, and then what the fuck was going on in San Francisco? What was that? Like they get like gang raped yeah. at a party. By a at the very woman. least, by a woman and her boyfriend. There's it's a like, lot careful of... kids, you'll be raped by lesbians. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Drugs. Oh, and also, I was like shipping her and her friend, like Beth, like pretty hard. Because oh, yeah. she was like, oh, I don't love her. I just like, you know, I get jealous when she goes on dates with like these guys. I just, I'd rather be the person there. I was like, girl, follow your truth. Like, <laughs> go date yeah, Beth. I agreed. There was and, a lot of... um casual homophobia in it yeah when she's talking about rich and and stuff like that i think it was more than casual (laughs) it was pretty aggressive intermediate yeah (laughs) even advanced advanced homophobia homophobia Mm -hmm. because like um here i actually am open to it um homo homophobia i'm open to homophobia (laughs) (laughs) i am open to the page like just try everything once right you know what you can't discount (laughs) i mean if if i'm gonna be like like I'm open to homosexuals, so I have to try two sides of the same coin. You have to try the other side. Otherwise, how will I know? Mm. Um, Anyway, I'm open to the page I was looking for. Is what I was actually saying. So, uh, Chris, and that's her female friend. Chris and I walked into Richie and Ted's apartment to find the bastards stoned and making love to each other. No wonder Richie bitchy wanted so little to do with me. Here I am out peddling drugs for a low-class queer whose dad probably isn't sick at all. I wonder how many other dumb chicks he's got working for him. Oh, I'm so ashamed. I can't believe I've sold to 11 and 12-year-olds and even 9 and 10-year-olds. What a disgrace I am to myself and my family and to everybody. I'm as bad as that son of a bitch, Richie. God. Like, yeah. That is the yeah. That is the general generational thing that jumps in of like, what a disgrace I am to myself and my family. Yes, yes. That is like some old also, Mormon lady talk. It was telling that she uses the qualifier low class. I think throughout yeah. there's definitely There's a couple a, of like yeah. weird classist things that yes. she yeah. does. 100%. Mm-hmm. That like first friend that she makes at that place where she moves with her parents because her dad got that job. That's actually Beth. Oh, no, 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 the, no, no, the first no, friend she had right. for like a day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where she's I don't like, remember anyone. Gre- so, there was, so there was Greta? this like, yes, Greta. Greta. She's like she's the like dirty Greta. friend. Like she's like, she brings her over to her house and she's like, mm, she's the only friend I have. But it's when she's like not washing her hair and like eating a lot. And so she yeah. starts gaining weight. Oh, right. So right. she makes a friend that's like right. also as like fucking disgusting as her and like brings her home. And uh, her parents, her whole family's like mean to this poor girl. It's Gerda. It's Gerda. <laughs> That's her, much worse. Yes. <laughs> and her whole family's so mean to this poor girl. And she's like, I guess they were kind of right. I guess, um, what is it? She's like, you need things in common with your friends, like background. And I was like, ooh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's classist as shit. Yeah. Here, well, I finally found a friend at school. She's <laughs> as plotty and misfitting as I am. 
But I guess that old poke about birds of a feather is true. I wrote that down mm-hmm. because it was One insane. night, Gerda came to pick me up for the movies, and my folks were everything but rude to her. Imagine my long-suffering, sweet-mouthed mother being tempted to utter a slimy phrase about my drab-looking nobody friend. <laughs> you, need, you need to read this audio. I wonder why she doesn't take a second look at her drab-looking nobody daughter. Or would that be too much for the well-groomed, thin, charming wife of the great professor who might be the president of the school within a few years? I could see them all squirming a little, even as I have been squirming ever since we got to this impregnable hole. Impregnable! Oh, happiness and joy and elation. Mother has promised me. La, 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 la. There's so many hard left yes. turns. She might be bipolar. She might be. Um, She's cycling super fast. She's probably bipolar too, like me. The August, the first August 6th entry uh, I don't know if I can find it out of the gates. Maybe I can. August 6th. It's when she, I believe it's when she has first had sex. Yes. And it starts yeah. with like happiness and positivity and oh, elation. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then by like the third paragraph, she's like, oh, what have I done? Sex has ruined my life. Yep. I wonder she's if all the kids had sex. But no, that's just too awfully animal and decent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and she immediately starts freaking out that she's gotten pregnant, which is why she starts taking her grandfather's sleeping pills because she can't sleep at night being worried that she might have gotten pregnant Mm -hmm. from Bill on acid. And then as Mm -hmm. soon as she gets her period, she's like, we don't need these anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, when she's I this was like such an obvious like tell that this book is fucking fake. So she's like talking about this girl that had to have an abortion or whatever and leave the school. Oh, yeah. And she's like, I certainly couldn't stand it if I had to leave school, like, and then it's redacted. Yes. Did last year. But why redact, why redact that name and not everybody no, fucking yeah. else? We don't even know her name. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the the beginning says that all the names have been changed. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, then <laughs> just why? Pick another, yeah, yeah. Just pick another. Just Sarah. Any name. <laughs> any name. Mm-hmm. Carbla. Carbla? <laughs> I knew just a Carbla. Like Carbla got that abortion. <laughs> Carbla. Classic Carbla. <laughs> Mother is making me eat. This is August 16th when she's worried she's pregnant. She's fixing all my favorite foods, but they still don't taste like much. Roger wrote me a long letter asking me if I was all right. Why isn't she talking to Roger? Just talk to Roger. Just talk to Roger. Stupid weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is terribly worried about me. And in fact, I'm even terribly worried about myself. I still don't know if I'm pregnant and won't know for another 10 or 12 days. Oh, I pray I'm not. I keep asking myself how I could have been such an idiot, and there is no answer other than the fact that I am an idiot. A stupid, bungling, senseless, foolish, ignorant idiot. She, t- she hates that herself That self-loathing so much. is so bananas. Yeah. It is, like, it is so, like, um, I'm just picturing her, like, self-flagellating while she's sure, saying yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's a very, like, It's a very shame. fundamentalist religious yes. thing. Yes. August 23rd. Tranquilizers are the greatest. Yep. Yep. And also, like, I mean, you can tell that this has such a, like, it was very weird to me the whole time that she has never had sex without being on drugs. Yes. Like, that was very weird. And then for it to be, like, when she decides to be a good girl at the end, she's like, well, I'm going to wait until marriage now, which was, like, such a weird thing for her to equate, like, that with, like, being, I mean, it wasn't weird. It made sense for the book um, to be like, well, this is part of my, like, Sex being, is one of the evil yeah. things she was partaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a very, it was very clearly delineated. Uh, her not being on drugs equaled good religious person, and mm-hmm. her being on drugs 
rapidly 182. Fuck religion. Well, yeah. At one point, I think she even literally mentions going to like a Satanist meeting or something like that. Oh, right. She met that guy. Well, because <laughs> um, in this in this version of the book, um, which we all have, uh, you can get an exclusive look at Jay's, Jay's journal. journal chose, and that is... I chose not to read it. I didn't read it. I just read the, yeah, I read um, the description, description in the back. Which was that he basically... It's like him like entering like a Satanist wow. thing. Which he, I think he's the guy that she meets... At, oh, and mentions in, briefly. Yeah, and he yeah. mentions that he started with inhalants and then went from that to heroin, I think. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how many of these people skip marijuana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they just, it is weird. And I don't know if this was like a sign of the times, but like now weed is so fucking normalized. And I think mm -hmm. like it's so weird that they're like, She's like heroin and marijuana, like in the same sentence as if they're the same. Well, it's like reefer madness. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very like fear. It, this book is littered with fear. Oh, yeah. And I remember it was effective when I was like fucking 12. Oh, I sure. thought it was real. And I was sure. like, freaked oh my, my shit out. Yeah. This might, this might have saved me from a life of sex and drugs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Between October 18th and October 26th. They just up and take off for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was confusing to me because it seemed like her parents were on board with her going. Yes. But it was no, like no, she no. missed she a term. She just took off. Well, because it was like, um, so no, then they, were, they didn't try off. to get her back? Well, eventually. They, she, she doesn't even tell them where she's going. Yeah, eventually she comes back and she goes on and on describing how open and forgiving and mm -hmm. how they were so lovely to they didn't say anything they just hugged me and yeah me. i'm so glad to be home and yes a parents and authority is yes. the way to go yes my name is not alice no <laughs> yeah it my was, name is married mormon lady <laughs> it was very yeah like every time she's at home it is so crazy how her mom like when she's like um, I didn't tell my mom the whole truth, but I did tell her that there were people trying to push us into drugs and she helped us because she's so nice. Yeah, yeah. And it was very much like, if like kids, if you're afraid of doing drugs, just tell your parents and they'll help you. Yeah. Which was, I think goes along the line of both the like demonizing of like drugs and sex, but then also like if you talk to your parents, like they will be on your side. Mm -hmm. Do you think this married Mormon lady who wrote this book, mm -hmm. did this happen to her daughter? No, I think she thought she was saving society. Mm -hmm. Like she saw the news mm -hmm. and was like, oh, things are really out of control. Do you think maybe she was childless? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm just trying like, to, I in my head. I can't get a sense either way. I'm trying to write the like dark dramedy screenplay about this author. I'm trying mm -hmm. to figure out what is the most interesting. Oh, that is. Yeah. That is okay, I'm going to look up um, Beatrice Sparks. That's her name? That's her name. Beatra? Beatrice? Are you sure it's not Carbla? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she had an abortion. She's Ooh. Carbla. Oh, she's Ooh. Carbla. Um, so Beatrice Carbla Sparks Tunnel <laughs> was an American therapist and Mormon <laughs> youth that. counselor. That's really funny, actually. That, that is, is very funny. Yeah. It's very funny. Uh, okay. Um, okay, get this. Beatrice Sparks, was, oh, she died in 2012. Um, was an American therapist and Mormon drugs. Youth, yeah, <laughs> youth counselor who was known for producing books purporting to be the real diaries of troubled teenagers. So she's done multiple. Um, the books deal with topical issues such as drug abuse, Satanism, teenage so pregnancy. topical. Yeah, so all, topical. All over the place. <laughs> teenage pregnancy or AIDS. Remember when everyone was like freaked out about Satanism in like the early 90s? 
Do you remember that? Yeah. When like parents were like, the kids are doing Satanism. It was, uh, I think it was mm. directly related to backmasking. The what? Idea of, uh, what is that word you just said? It's yeah. a thing I'm obsessed with. I love this era. It's so historically interesting. Uh, at the time, everyone was convinced that heavy metal bands were oh. putting backwards messages. Oh, right. Yes. And you play it backwards. Yes. And you say, kill yourself. Follow the devil. Yeah. And stuff like that. What was the word again? Backmasking. Backmasking. Carbla backmasking. Carbla black lab. Carbla black That was her full name. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what it was. Oh, she claims that she has a PhD, but no one can find record of it. And you said she was Classic a youth, a youth pastor? Mormon youth counselor. That makes a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Okay. But yeah. I so bet it's based none of on the kids were do. Maybe she's just afraid. They I think would she do was it. afraid. Spark stated that her experiences it. working with troubled adolescents made her want to produce cautionary tales that would keep yeah. other teens from falling into the same traps. Um, I highly doubt that any of her Mormon. I don't think they were wards were shooting like, up. I've been selling to nine year olds. She probably yeah. saw one of her kids smoking pot once mm-hmm. and then said, I know how to save them. Yep. Type, 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 type. Yep. Ooh, get this, y'all. Okay. In 1973, Marcella <laughs> Welcome Barrett. Welcome back to Get This, Y'all. That's <laughs> <laughs> where I, I read Wikipedia articles. One of our most popular segments. That's good. I didn't want to say anything. I'm glad you're doing it organically. Mm-hmm. Oh. In 1973, Marcella Barrett, a Pleasant Grove, Utah woman whose son Alden had committed suicide at age 16, read a newspaper interview with Sparks and became convinced that she was the right person to bring her son's diary to the public. The result was Jay's journal, which tells the story of a teenage boy drawn into Satanism. Barrett's family was horrified by the book. They insisted that Alden had never been involved with the occult and that Sparks had used only 21 entries from his journal out of 212 entries that appeared in the finished book. Whoa. Sparks defended the book, claiming she got extra material from friends and interviews uh, or from letters and interviews with Alden's friends. Oh, my fucking God. She did. It happened to Nancy. Yeah, she did all these fucking things. Annie's Baby, The Diary of Anonymous, A Pregnant Teenager. Oh, we'll get to all of them. Treacherous Love, The Diary of an Anonymous Teenager, Pupil Seduced by Teacher. By the way, good work on bringing this on the podcast, Greg, because we... Open the door, man. Like, 12 people have requested that we do this. And when we said on the podcast right before the week we're supposed to record with you... We're like, and next week, go ask Alice. We also got a bunch of people going, where's that episode? I can't oh. find the episode. Oh, oh that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So people are very much <laughs> wanting us to do <laughs> this bananas mess. Yeah, it is yeah. a mess. But, but I, I want to circle back to, we touched a little bit on this about how when we were kids, this did genuinely affect yes, us. Yes, that's true. Were there any moments in this tome uh, where you felt like, you were transported back to that kid self and you were similarly affected. Oh. Or at least brought back to, I remember when I was similarly affected. That's a good question. Thank um, you so much. Goodbye. You're welcome. <laughs> he just backflipped away. That's a good question. <laughs> Greg just ev- Check this, evaporated y'all. into smoke. <laughs> um, oh my I'm God, tr- he was Beatrice the whole time. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is not... About the book at all. But I was driving down the street and I saw a crow fly by in the air and then a cat run across the street <gasps> af- like with it, like kind Kitty. of in tandem. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh shit, a witch just lost all her familiars. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love familiars. I love spookies. Um, spookies are fun. What? 
When you said the crow thing, it reminded me of when I was uh, like 15 and doing driver's ed. Um, I was, <laughs> I don't know why this happened, but I was driving um, and the with the instructor in the car with me. And I like see this crow like flying all weird and like loop-de-loops. And then it just fell down on the hood of the car and kind of exploded onto the <laughs> windshield. And I was just like, ah! And like just kept driving. And um, uh, I didn't know what to do. And the instructor like told me to turn on the like windshield wiper things. I was oh like, I don't God. want to. And then we pulled over and he that was- That was your, oh. And he was like, well, it was really good that you kept driving. And I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and then he had to get out and like get it off of the- Scoop bird off yeah. your car? Oh, I don't know what happened. R.I.P. R.I.P. Crow. That was Beatrice. I have a, um, <laughs> next to my apartment, there is outside of the door on the uh, hallway wall, there's a fire extinguisher mm-hmm. and a bird has taken her home there. Oh. She showed up there. I called her Firebird because she lives on a fire extinguisher. Oh, that's I good. like that. And then one day she wasn't there and I noticed she has a nest and eggs. <gasps> and I don't want, I don't want to be like Carbla Beatrice mm-hmm. and like cast value judgments. I think the fire extinguisher next to my apartment, it's a fun place to hang out. It's a yeah. fun place to experiment. To raise a family there, to have kids there, mm, it's, it's just not, not It's not big enough. No. no. But we don't know her means. I know. You're being a classist bird. I am. <laughs> uh, totally unrelated. I read this very good book called uh, Please Inquiry the Blue Jay. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's an anonymous <laughs> diary from a bird. I don't know who wrote it. Whoever did, it's like really good. Strikes the fear in the hearts yeah. of young birds everywhere. Uh, just like check it out. I don't know. Whoever wrote it, good job. <laughs> oh my God. I'm trying to find the... the. I thought that that was an actual book no! title. And that, and that you then like inserted a bit. Oh no. And that you were going to get back to the book. Mm-mm. But that's not a real book. Please Mm-mm. inquiry. The Blue Jay is not a real book. It's that's a great such name. A funny. T- Please inquiry. The <laughs> My Blue brain was Jay. just like, I have to thesaurus go ask right now. Okay, here we go. <laughs> go ask. It, Please. It was a winner. Please inquiry. Please, I don't know. You're, you're nicer. The Blue Jay. I am a lot nicer. Yeah. That was like, very Please good. inquiry. Or whoever wrote go it. Go ask. That was very good. Beatrice. Beatrix Carbla. Beatrix Carbla. Before I forget, there's a bird outside our window that sounds exactly like Edwin when he whines outside our door. Oh, and it Who's woke Edwin? me up. Th- sorry. Oh, sorry, my dog. Gotcha. And it woke me up this morning, and I, I woke Mike up, and I was like, "Did you, did you take Edwin out before you went to sleep last night?" And he's like, "Oh, I didn't." I was like, "He's whining at the door. Open the door. No, Edwin." And I was like, and I immediately went, "Is that a fucking bird?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It was a fucking bird. It, it sounds exactly bird. like our dog whining. I don't know if um they don't. I don't think they do it anymore. Maybe they do. Um, at some AMC theaters, they have that like beginning thing that sounds like they they have like a um, it's to tell you to turn off your cell phones and not mm-hmm. make noise. But she has it, a very pleasant voice. The the woman, the woman who does. Oh that. yeah, I'm sure. I don't really remember her voice. I go. I see a lot of movies. Why okay. would she be hired? Well, it her? has. It just has the sound of like ring ring, and then like people whispering. But then the sound that always throws me off. And I first time I said that I said, did someone bring a fucking baby in here? <laughs> I said it out loud because the baby's like, get your fucking baby out. And it sounds yeah, yeah, so yeah, fucking I know. real. I know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. It sounds so real every time it gets yeah, I do. Me. Have any of you ever been to, what do they call it? It's called like a mommy and me screening or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You've been to one of those? No, I haven't You've been, heard but of it. I, uh, the, the uh, Vista, not the Vista, the Los Feliz uh, LF3. Three. Does it? They have those? Yeah. Uh, they have a poster out. 
Yes. What it is is they're in the middle of the day. They're usually an early morning morning matinee where you are allowed to and free and expected to bring your child. To the oh. And they can cry and it's like, okay. And I inadvertently went to one. <laughs> I went to a matinee. And then you got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Skyping in from San Quentin. Um, Ooh, great connection. San <laughs> Quentin. <laughs> No, I, I just went to see a matinee of Pompeii with Kit Harrington, and I went there and I was like, "There's a lot of kids." They have in a here. mommy and me matinee Pompeii. for matinee for Pompeii. They did. Oh, it's for the moms, not the kids. Oh, I see. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, because they're too baby to watch yeah. the movie. Yeah. Mm. It was weird. That's weird. It was weird. <laughs> That's weird. That is very weird. <laughs> it was a weird day. I'm just big. Oh, poor Greg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so I found the part that when I read it, I was like, "I am 12." And I'm sitting like in my sixth grade classroom reading this yeah. and being feeling so scandalized. And it's when she loses her virginity. Mm-hmm. And it says, well, last night it happened. I am no longer a virgin. In a way, I'm really sorry because I always wanted Roger to be the first and only boy in my life. But he's away visiting. In <laughs> fact, I haven't seen him since I got here. He might have grown into a gawky, stupid, rambling idiot anyhow. I wonder if sex without acid could be so exciting, so wonderful, so indescribable. Ooh. Ew, she thought it would be like dogs mating. And I just remember, I think I was a very late bloomer. So like I did not super understand sex or like, like my idea of like a sexy encounter with a boy at 12 was like him putting his arm around me or like touching my hand. Oh my God. That's my idea of a sexy encounter right now. (laughs) Right this second. And like, so for me, like sex was just a very scary and foreign idea. and so. Seeing this happen to this girl, it, it made sense to me that like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, you, you lose your virginity. You're doing it on acid. Like it really? was. Really? Yeah, I was very. When I was in fifth grade, I was afraid to say the word sex. I said S-E-X. I'm sure. I think I was that like shy about it. But I knew that, um, you know, Johnny Castle and Baby were having loving sex together in the classic film Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it could be a beautiful thing between two consenting adults. I grew up in a very um, sex is shame mm-hmm. household. Um, like my parents never gave me the talk ever. I, I neither. learned everything from Planned Parenthood. And the streets. And the streets. And the mean streets of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like actually uh, when I was... 22, I had, uh, I was home for the holidays and um, I had a guy over at my parents' house and we were downstairs. And the next day, my parents found a condom wrapper in like the trash. And my dad was like, I need to talk to you about how you shouldn't be doing this. And I was like, I'm 22. Like, I could do whatever I want. And they're like, not while your sister is in the house. And my sister's <laughs> four years younger than me. So it was like not that crazy. Like, she wasn't like a, five-year-old that was like it was very weird and my parents like like I remember being like 14 and anytime anyone kissed on screen they would change the channel wow like it was like highly like sex was demonized in my family my dad started to give me shit because I was still a virgin (laughs) we had a real healthy relationship Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm he, would, he was like, why haven't you had sex yet? Yeah, he was like, he gave my sister and I this talk, uh, like, we should dress like we wanted boyfriends. And, wow. And he said to my sister, Taylor, you have a nice body. And, and Lindsay, you have a nice face. Oof. Like, 
That's what are you doing right now? Ugh. Yikes. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm trying to think of the part when so Sheila is the the lady who later sets them up to be gang raped. Oh at right, a Sheila. Fancy party of hers. Um, but she's talking about her. <laughs> Sheila must be a terrifically preserved thirty. <laughs> That if, if that is not uh, written by some like nice Midwestern religious lady, but, I will eat my hat. But you'd think she'd know better that 30 is like not an age mm-hmm. in which you are deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's like, well, I don't know. Kids like this is how kids think, think that you're, if you're older than 25, you're ancient. Mm-hmm. When I used to teach preschool, um, the little kids, the really small ones, my class was ages three to five. They thought that you just kept growing as you like got older. And then so they thought uh, one of my friends came in and he was 6'4", and they thought he was a 1,000. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's like a tree. Yeah, yeah, you just keep growing. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I buy the, I get the logic. And then um, when they asked me how old I was, I was like, how old do you think I am? And they were like, seven. And I was like, mm, older. And they're like, 70. <laughs> I was like, somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of extremes. Extremes. Now, how many of the preschoolers were on acid? 65%. That seems pretty low to me. That seems <laughs> but, low. But I mean, I was just like hands off, you know? They're going to do it. Let the free market. Let it decide. Run its Invisible yeah. hand yeah. of drug dealing. Just to a children. Smith, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're going to get it somewhere. Mm-hmm. I I think I must have. All right. I, so I don't remember any specific part that I was horrified by as a kid, <laughs> mm-hmm. but this has got to be. One of the things that frightened me <laughs> last night, so this is December 3rd when they're living in San Francisco, I believe still the same year in which she started doing drugs. Oh, yeah. So it's December. Big year. Big she year. started in July. Last night was the worst night of my shitty, rotten, stinky, dreary, fucked up life. There were only four of us, and Sheila and Rod, her current boyfriend, introduced us to heroin. At first, we were a little afraid, but they convinced us that the horror stories were just so many American myths. Ha, blah, blah, blah. So they're feeling drowsy and fantastic. And then, but just before I was out too out of it to notice what was going on, I saw Sheila and that cocksucker she goes with lighting up and setting out speed. I remember wondering why they were getting high when they had just set us out on this wonderful low. And it wasn't until later that I realized that the dirty son of a bitch is taking turns raping us and treating us sadistically and brutally. That had been their plan strategy all along, the low-class shit-eaters. You know what? Oh, wait, wait. When Chris and I finally came down, we crippled our way back to the apartment and talked for a long time. It sounds like they were gang-raped front and back. Yeah, all around. With objects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So probably that part scared me. Yeah, that was horrifying. Also, it was crazy how, like, when she first starts, she's very, like... Three bucks, two bags, one me. And then she starts doing drugs, is cursing up a storm. Mm-hmm. And then when she stops doing drugs, she doesn't curse anymore. But I don't well, yeah, get that's yeah, a low 100%. class. That's a low class thing to do. Yeah. Do drugs and curse. Do drugs and curse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's like so crazy that like, I don't know. I have a question it, for you guys. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, well, okay, I have a very, I have a sailor mouth. I do curse a lot. Oh, me too. I'm wondering like, is that like, but my parents... And, like, people of my parents' generation don't typically curse that much in daily conversation. Is it a generational thing, or do you just stop, like, cursing when you get older? Right now, my parents are visiting me in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And my dad, in particular, has gotten very comfortable with casually cursing in front of me. Oh, really? (laughs) Is it weird? 
it is a touch weird. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, so I'm experimenting with cursing in front of him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might be, he might be an exception because he's a high school principal. Oh. So he's around kids yeah. all day. Uh, so maybe he just kind of talks that talk because it's like what he's around. But mm. I don't know. my guess is it's that they're just not cursing around their children. That could be it. I think that regardless of how old mm-hmm. we get, they're not going to just start cursing in front of us. My mom curses a lot at me when she's mad, but not like See, it's in daily as conversation. It's a, we- a weapon. Yeah, it's employed as a weapon. And then my dad has only said fuck to me twice. And it was when he was like so mad, he was like shaking. Whoa. And he and I was like, oh my God, my dad said fuck. Like it once was when he was like, you need a of a fucking filter and then like stomped out of the room. <laughs> that's a good, that's a really funny thing to put yeah. fuck in front of mm-hmm. considering that that means he was opening He was a without filter. filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. My what was the pro- doesn't oh. swear my dad, I'm sure did. Yeah. But not a lot. Like I just think it, like a few slipped out. I doubt he thought about it much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mom swears on my behalf a lot and I find it cute uh, whenever I'm like going through something particularly when it involves uh, someone who has like not done a good thing to me and I'm like telling her about it she will wow well I just I just think that's I think they're acting like shit oh, oh like, that's mom. so adorable that's <laughs> thank so you for cute. saying that um, do you talk to your mom a lot about like stuff that's going on in your life like interpersonal stuff yeah I started to uh in college, I dated uh, what I eventually figured out was an abusive person. And so oh, that around, sucks, I'm that, sorry. That's okay. yeah. around that time, I realized that I needed to be more open with them about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that kind of opened the doors. And then when I moved away to uh, LA, they're back home in Detroit, I realized that because we're so far away, when we do talk, we kind of have to get there a little more. And it's been, it's been nice to see things open. Because for the most of my, like, adolescence, there's a bit of closed-offedness. Like, whenever I was home, I was mostly in the basement, hanging out by myself or with my friends, not mm-hmm. really being close with them. So it's been nice to kind of see that open up. That's really nice. Yeah. Good. And that's uh, that's how you don't do drugs. Yeah. That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's how you don't do drugs. Oh, my God. My parents were so right all along. <laughs> Oh God. God! They're so forgiving and understanding. In her grave, Beatrice is clapping her hands. Mm-hmm. She's up from her nest. Beatrice is clapping <laughs> her wings. Kaka! <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> um. Oh, by the way, the day that they are like, we've been, we've been sodomized by a couple. They go, well, forget this town. We're starting a boutique in Berkeley. That was so like, what? How weird. How do you start with $700? They're like, we're starting our boutique. And like that boutique too made no goddamn sense. Like, like nobody ever bought anything. No one, like they Kids charged. just hung out. Yeah. What, it, it, was it was almost like a clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, it was. So they had, well, and also, okay. So they, the way they designed it was they painted the floors candy cane pink because they couldn't afford carpet. They're making so many like adju- like changes to the actual structure of the place. And yeah. I'm like, how can you do this to a place you're renting, first of all? Oh, good point. Because they're like tacking on fake fucking fur on the counter. Were they renting it from the shop owner she had a friendship no. with? No, no. it was a yeah. separate was place. I think okay. they 
he was in San Francisco and they left to Berkeley, oh, to, right. I believe, to start this. Right. But it says, the plumbing leaks and the toilet gets stopped up and we only have hot water part of the time, but it really doesn't matter. Kids stop by to watch our TV, which we have in the showroom, or just to sit around and rap. We cut the legs <laughs> off the dining room uh. chairs so they are only about a foot from the fo- floor. And with the five of them, one was broken beyond repair, we've got a nice little conversation area. Like, that's not a store. No. <laughs> also, that's like, not a, <laughs> it's not Stores a store. Stores don't have conversation What areas. is your inventory? What is your revenue? Yeah. Yeah. This I is a sham corporation. Sitting. Do you have, yeah, have you set up a corporation? No. Are you, an, are they keeping corporate minutes? Do you have an accountant? Secretary. What's President. the term? What are, At least then, when you were pushing drugs to eight-year-olds. You knew the product. You knew the mm-hmm. market. Yeah. You had, had a base press. You knew your overhead. Yeah. We saw how that product traveled from source to pusher right. to consumer. There seems to be no product with this Berkeley place. Yeah. All right. So December 17th, they decided to open the boutique December 3rd. December 17th. It's beginning to get a little monotonous for Chris and me. <laughs> All the kids want to talk about is their hangups oh and how they feel when they're using. Like 14 days later? Yeah. Yeah. I remember dad's father before he died talking on endlessly about his aches and his pains. These kids are beginning to hit me, hit at me the same way. They never talk about what they want out of life or their families or anything. Just who's holding, how much bread they'll get next year, and who has the least crumbs at the moment. And will they cover? What's crumbs? Crumbs of drug? And the crazies are beginning to get to me, too. I wonder if we really are going to have a full-scale revolution in this country. When they're discussing it, here's the stuff about the college kids, I think. It all Mm -hmm. seems pretty reasonable and exciting, destroying everything and starting again. A new country, a new love and sharing and peace. (laughs) But when I'm alone, it seems like another insane drugged scene. Oh, I'm so utterly confused. I can't believe that soon it will have to be a mother against daughter and father against son to make the new world. But maybe they'll wear me down to their way of thinking by the time I'm in college, if I ever get there. And then December 18th, they close their door and abandon the shop forever. <laughs> also, it's like, this, it's still the same year in which she started doing drugs. I'm just also picturing, like, okay, you're a student at Berkeley, okay? And you're like, these two 15-year-old girls have this dope setup. Like, let's go hang out at this, like, a room? Basically is what it is. It's a room with a TV. Yeah, like what? and. You're you're still 15. They're 15. You're still 15. What is happening? What is what happening? Is this? this isn't it. who Beatrice. <laughs> Beatrice. Beatrice. B. You have some B. things to answer for. Um, Greg, did you have a, a moment in the book that you remembered that you were I sure did. A child? Um Yeah, for the most part, as I read this book, I was just like, this is awful <laughs> i feel so bad that i'm making us all read this awful book oh god i love it thank no, you we no, it. Thank we you. loved it we loved it this is so the point of the podcast fishing license um <laughs> and then i got to this chunk of the novel and like i was reading i was reading uh it was kind of late at night i was in bed i like to read before bed to just kind of dozing off and then i got this point and i became wide awake and it was like sense memory it's this piece of horrifying body horror when she's like in the oh uh, no Mental asylum. Oh, that was that is crazy. And she she starts to talk about this hallucination. Uh, Gramps was there to help me, but his body was dripping with blazing, multicolored worms and maggots, which fell on the floor behind him. He tried to pick me up, but only the skeleton remained of his hands and arms. The rest had been picked clean. 
by wriggling, writhing, slithering, busily eating worms, which seethed on his every part. They were eating and they wouldn't stop. And it goes into this just horrifying, visceral. Yeah. And when I was a kid reading that, I was, I don't know what, like, deep inside primal thing it was hitting on. Well, it's visceral, like you said. Yeah. And it's, it's also, just like, really, like, physically affecting. Yeah. And it's, like, a very, like, visual representation of something that, like, a lot of, you know, 12 year olds are first like coming to the reckoning of, which is mm-hmm. like mortality and yeah. like decay. Also, decay, which is yes. a very scary thing as a kid. I remember being freaked out by decay. Yes. It's also a very physical representation of how this woman feels about drugs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, well, those she, worms this are drugs. This is how she views yeah. Yeah. this. The maggots are the drugs. Yeah. yeah. Eating away because they've her already body. eaten that part of you, but they're not stopping. Mm-hmm. That whole fucking sequence where she wakes up in the fucking mental hospital after babysitting is fucking insane. insane. No, I was it's like insane. I I literally said out loud, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. When she's like, "I have to babysit," and like blah blah blah, and then she wakes up and is like Dis- not coherent, disfigured. Yeah, disfigured. Her fingernails are missing. Yeah. She's gouged out parts of her face. Her toes are splint are, are broken. <laughs> and it turns so also the 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 thing that drove me fucking nuts about this book was the fact that drugs are everywhere. And yeah. every kid does drugs. And they Some rip- of the kids are good and they don't, but mo- it's like half and half. Yes. And there's such a culture of uh like pranking people with drugs, giving it yes. to them when they're not expecting it. And in retaliation for not, not doing, doing it yes. anymore. Like punishing it's them. Like, with... If you even fall in with this crowd, they will not let you mm-hmm. out. Because And here's like the, the weird thing. It is like the mafia. Like the peer pressure that I experienced in high school was mostly like, hey, do you want like X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever item? And I, if I was like, no, then they were like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Nobody. And that was it. Because yeah. that Everybody was Everybody was totally cool with me not doing drugs. Yeah. Has peer pressure ever organically existed or does it only exist because people tell us not to? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Chicken egg. Mm. Um, Wait, what? Did peer pressure ever actually organically exist in the, in the wild, as it were? Or did it only come to fruition when like dare and parents and things like this said, this is a thing to watch out for. And like then suddenly kids are going like, to make you do it. Yeah. I, I think it probably existed. I think probably the extent of it, though, has been <coughs> like, come on, it's just a party. We're just yeah. hanging out. Yeah. And then I've if you there. don't, they're like, ah, loser. Yep. Yeah, I think so. That is the only true peer pressure is just it's not that they keep pushing it on you. It's that they push it on you a little bit and you start to feel like you're not cool. Yeah, and yeah. that's big. That's, and that's, that's the, real. That's the peer pressure of I've it. It's like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wouldn't do drugs. And then the only thing, it was just like, then I stopped being friends with the kids in high school who were doing drugs just because it like, it started to get not fun for me to be around yeah. a bunch of people who were high. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to separate myself mm-hmm. from this. Like, you're all cool people, but just it's not, not that fun anymore. And nobody flipped out on me. Yeah. Like they were all, we were on friendly terms still. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. at worst, like people called me a loser behind my back or something, but no one like tried to put 
like acid in my Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Like fucking crazy. That, crazy. that game. I really want to know if that happened. Button. Not button, the, button, who's button, got who's the button. I bet that that happened. But the, the retaliation of you stopped using, so we're going to poison you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're going to like threaten to give like your little sister fucking acid in candies. Because like I... I know it happens where people just slip you something like at a party, but in sure. reta- but as a threat that yeah that was weird like, and, yeah. and not even like a boy not even like an abusive boyfriend just like the kids at school like as a way for saying like it's, it's fucking it's, narc we're gonna yeah <laughs> so we're gonna <laughs> force drugs in your system there's like this weird like predatoriness put on like mm-hmm. kids that do drugs where there's like well they're gonna like uh I just keep picturing like. Um, that thing that people use in olden times to like pull people off stage, the hook, the cane, yeah, yeah, like they're gonna do that, like they're gonna bring you into their like. I just feel like there's like this luring aspect, which is weird because I'd never really experienced that. But then again, I didn't grow up in 1968 or whatever, so maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that fucking happened. I don't know. Mm. Um, I found the thesis of the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All dopers are part-time sewer dwellers. The two go hand in hand together. <laughs> yeah. That's the author's thesis for sure. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, can I offer shorter cards? Can I offer an ironic subtextual thesis of the book please. that I wrote down? Yeah, please. Here it is. All the things I've heard about LSD were obviously written by uninformed, ignorant people like my parents who obviously don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I'm yep. like, yeah, you're describing obviously. the book you're writing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Got yep. it. Yep. Here it is, yeah. So this is so that was right before they decide to give up in Berkeley and go home. Um and they get they get home, all is forgiven, and she's writing. I'm so grateful that Chris and I were successful in our little venture. She's talking about the shop. Mark, one of the boys who hung at our shop took colored polaroid shots with have, which have quite impressed our families. What? You were there for a month. I no, know. No, no, no. 2 weeks. Mm. What venture? What are you talking about and like you're 15 mm-hmm. and th- this whole time when she's like it's very weird how like evil she is like she's not a good person yeah like she like when she's like i'm really like pulling one over on my dumb parents like who think that i'm a good girl when i'm like i mean i don't know maybe guilt here's, was a huge part of my the thing childhood. where i was here's the <laughs> thing i was remembering where it's like oh i think that she doesn't I think she's really trying to get at the fact that like parents and kids have a more of a disconnect in her view mm-hmm. in that time um, because she writes. So it's like the day after Christmas, by the way, still in the fucking year she started doing drugs. It's been like six months tops. Adolescents have a very rocky, insecure <laughs> time. Grownups treat them like children and yet expect them to act like adults. They give them orders like little animals, then expect them to react like mature and always rational, self-assured persons of legal stature. Whoa. Way to go, Beatrice. That's really embarrassing. It is a difficult, lost, vacillating time. That So it's like she empathizes. So it's like I believe that she thinks that's the real problem and that because of that, then kids do drunk drugs and go insane immediately. Yeah. How... How crazy was it how many times she said that drugs were easier to get than alcohol? Oh, yeah. She said it like eight times. She was like, well, parents, they know when you're taking their their alcohol because they'll just know how many fingers are left in the in the bottle. But yeah, you take their tranquilizers, you take their money. Dad's not going to notice 20 bucks missing from his pants. I think, I guess that's an attack on parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, because it's like, well, you guys aren't exactly free from sin either. Mm-hmm. You drink alcohol. Oh, boy. I think Beatrice is sad. I think she is. I think I, she's really sad. I think she, she wasn't married and she considered herself a Mormon failure. Maybe. Mm. I think she also um, put like a. I think she was married, though. I think I read that. Oh, I, I can't remember. But. By the way, congrats on your new uh, Improv House Team Mormon failure. You guys are going up. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we They're all we group do scenes. entirely group <laughs> scenes um, where one of us plays the husband and then the rest are wives. Cool. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's like Mormon roots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I can't make it. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> what? Uh, when was it? Two weeks. What day and night? Or- Sunday at seven. He'll have already like started a business and then abandoned it by now. Yeah, then. it's going to be a big um, year for me. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do a lot of things in yeah. six months. So, okay. Yeah. I, I get it. What time again, though? Seven? I can't make it. Um, I'm so sorry. Okay. That's okay. I guess I'm the Mormon failure. Hmm. <laughs> um, so she like she gets back. It's January now. It's finally a new motherfucking year. Mm-hmm. She starts doing drugs again, and then it's like normal, normal, normal. Mm-hmm. By January twenty fourth, she's she's done it again. <laughs> she's done it again. But then two and she hates herself. But then two days later, her and Chris are like, we we're happy we are doing it again. Yeah, I noted that too. And yes. Then, it's insane. And then the days start flying by and... Oh my God. And then like they're on probation. There's that sequence. I wrote this down. And then a I wonder if you're going to be saying the thing. All of a sudden on page 102, she goes, today I went to the head shrinkers because of probation. A fat, ugly little man who doesn't even have enough balls to lose weight. Oh my man, God. I almost <laughs> recommended some amphetamines. They'd cut his appetite and give him a blast at the same time. That's probably what he needs, sitting there peering over his glasses, waiting for me to tell him all the gory details. He's almost worse than anything else that's happened to me. March 5th. Jackie slipped me a couple of co-pilots in English when she passed out the test papers. Tonight, after everyone goes to bed, I'll get high all by myself. I can hardly wait. Question mark. Like, here I am in Denver. From there She's to Denver. Hit, she, yeah. Like, I... Still in March. It's still in March. I could not stop laughing at how dramatic this was. And I wonder if this is what you were going to mention, which is all of these ones that have the little star. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to talk about that little yep. star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By 102, it's gone full balls to the wall. I am homeless and drug addicted. And yet, she doesn't <laughs> lean into the balls in the wall because she sets herself up with, I think, could be an interesting device. She says... All of these were found on scrap pieces of paper and mm-hmm. found things. And paper bags and stuff. The voice and the writing style doesn't change at all. And there's still proper grammar and like fancy $10 mm-hmm. Mormon lady words. Like I wrote down penetratingly. Yeah. Which is not a word <laughs> this girl would use. And I feel like she, if you're going to lean into it, lean into it. I would have liked Jack Kerouac for a second. Uh, I also would have I mean, liked if they were like um, the not sequentially. insane. Like, I would have liked if it sh- kind of fucked with the chronology of sure, it. yeah. Because if they are just well, a bunch um, of fucking paper bags, like a memento action. Yeah. <laughs> or a House of Leaves, I think, is the... Mm. Have you heard that book? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have never finished it. Me neither. It's a lot of, like, flipping and, like, yes. looking yes. and turning. And uh, I don't know, my arms get tired when I'm... Going. I like to read before bed as well. And it's, like, mm-hmm. it's such a heavy book and the turning, I yes. can't. 
I started to read it on an airplane and I was doing all that. And I was like, <laughs> People are looking at me. I can't do this. <laughs> like, yeah, you got this like square tome mm-hmm. that you're walking like, around with infinite jest in one arm and leaves of <laughs> grass oh my in the other. God. Leaves just, of grass. Just, leaves of grass. House what of is it leaves. called? House of leaves. I'm just ready my to explain. My brain like, just explain. found the very first thing it couldn't win. Here, say this. Mm. <laughs> mm, that's a fun guy. That character like wears a scarf and a tweed jacket. Mm-hmm. And it's just like ready to explain anime at the drop of a hat to anyone who will listen. <laughs> I had someone do that to me pretty recently in a bar. Explain uh, anime to you? Where he said, um, do you like anime? And I said, some. And he said, have you seen X, whatever it was. Oh boy. And I said, nope. And he goes, let me explain the plot to you. No. I was like, that's okay. <laughs> and then he explained the whole plot. And I was like, eh. And then he was like, all right, live action version. Who would you cast? Go. And I was like, I have no context. I hate this conversation. This I is a stranger? Medium stranger. Medium stranger. It was someone I had seen around on your improv house team. Medium Medium stranger. stranger. Thank you. Thank you. It's me and him. It's a true prop. Oh, you and this. (laughs) Yeah. When you guys. When you guys go up. Let me check my. Um. In uh three. I can't make it. I'm so sorry. You'll be in Portland. Yeah, I got a big year. (laughs) So sorry. It's okay. (laughs) Mormon failure and medium stranger are. 100% 100% improv team name. Mm-hmm. They're very good. I love it. I love I, they're them. They're good names. They're very Thank good you, names. I, you, you said them. Oh, well, you recognize you saw, them. Yeah, you saw You're a good listener. Within. That's Thank your you. strength is listening. Strength. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, let me talk to you about Trigun. Trigun starts with Fash the Stick. <laughs> so she's just like going crazy in Denver. She's going so bananas in Denver. Have either of you been to Denver? Yes. No. Yes. Uh, maybe it was different in 1968 or whatever, but I was, I've been in Denver once. It was the most peaceful, quaint, it nothing was, going on town. Yeah, like, I've heard nice things I about I could be yeah. a better person if I lived there. That's exactly how I felt. No, have you ever been places like that where you're like, I would be so much better yeah. if I was there? Yeah. Th- yeah. hundred percent. That's I was I never there. the move to Portland or Austin mm. person, but Denver I had mm-hmm. in my head because I knew a friend who moved there. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Denver. Mm-hmm. It's it's hip enough. Yeah. But it's also like not trendy. Peaceful. The thing is, sometimes when places are too hip, I get tired. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's that's not why Portland and Austin are like beyond. Yeah. I get tired in Austin for sure. It's fun there, but at the end of the night, I'm like exhausted. It's just so much. You have to be like the coolest always. Mm-hmm. If I give up on LA, I'm moving back to Reno. Mm. Oh. It's just a nice small town. Mm-hmm. Please the don't give up. Casino industry. LA. I won't. But. I have it in my head that yeah. if I did, I'd mm-hmm. go back to Reno. But yeah, I, I don't see that happening for Good. real. Okay. If I gave up on LA, um, where would I move? I, uh, so I, I go back and forth between like, I could like live in the English countryside, but then I know I'd like go bananas being far away from a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I think actually probably Denver. I'd probably go there. Because mm-hmm. it is, I could be calm, but also have a city. And... I think I would be nicer and happier and better. For some reason, I've also always thought of St. Louis, and I don't think it's that nice of a place. I've never been there. I've never been either. I don't know why I have that stuck in my head, too. Mm -hmm. Greg, where would you move if you gave up on LA? Hmm. Madison, Wisconsin. Really? I've never been there, but from what I hear, um, it would either be Madison or it would be my college town, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mm. They're both, I think, kind of nice... Best of both worlds. They feel kind of like cities, but it's mostly qu- quiet, uh, uh, small townish mm-hmm. vibes. 
but still with like cool, cool liberal people mm-hmm. milling around and being sort of cool, silly and cool. Yeah. You know where I like actually that's really close, um, but feels like a small town is Eagle Rock. Eagle Rock, Eagle Rock. Is I love I Eagle would, Rock. I really want to move to Eagle oh, Rock. Having that one main drag with mm-hmm. all the cool fucking shops and there's like a little... And that one Target. Oh, the Target. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the parking lot. the Filipino mall. Oh, the Filipino mall. I love oh. that mall. We've talked about that mall before. I know. It's such a good mall. It's and then good the, mall. And then that street next to such Oyster, that's mall. like the best street in Los mall. Angeles. Have you guys been on that street? Yeah. What street? Next to... It's right next to Oyster. Um, and it has like... The trees are so big, they're touching on the top. Mm. And it's like all like historic like craftsmen's and oh I haven't like it's my favorite street. I walked all around it's there. It's such a good mall. It's such a good mall. It's such a good mall. Mm. I really like Claremont. I love That's Claremont, further, but I love I love Claremont. Claremont. That's like very a small beautiful liberal college town. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful. Ugh. You I guys, hmm? I don't think I've been. Mm. It's like in forty minutes mm-hmm. hour. East. Yeah, I mean, I think you could get there in thirty-five minutes, no traffic. It depends, yeah, mm-hmm. but. Let's be but safe and nice. say an hour. It's, uh, yeah, let's be safe. Mm-hmm. Pomona College, Claremont and Pomona College. Claremont, Pomona, Scripps. Pomona a, um, uh, it's like a bunch of little it's, colleges. Yeah, there's an all-women's one. Claremont. Um, Claremont McKenna is the Claremont version. I applied there, and then my dad was like, if you got in, we're not going to pay for tuition. And I was like, cool. <laughs> and then didn't wow. get in. <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, where did you go? I went to San Diego State. Oh, right, 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 right. right. And then UC Riverside. Yep. Because I partied too hard at San Diego State and had to recuse myself from that area. And then they tried to get their revenge by sticking drugs in your It was pretzels. constant. Like, mm. God, chocolate-covered, what were they? Peanuts. Peanuts, yeah. Oh, right. I said pretzels. Oh, and then I ate a peanut, and it was the saltiest thing I ever tasted. Mm. And I just thought, oh, I'm so salty. <laughs> I need to get a sweet thing, like I'm a peach. I'm so salty. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find... She's still in Denver. Back on that hard... Like advanced homophobia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. So this poor Doris, fourteen-year-old Doris, Doris, who she I meets up with Doris. in Denver. It's the girl who she thought was like a a petite nineteen. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's um, right. But is actually well a preserved nineteen. <laughs> She's a well preserved <laughs> nineteen, but really hard ridden fourteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So she has this like fucking horrible life. Da da da. Teacher had her taken away. Blah blah blah. But even that wasn't much better because both the teenage brothers gave it to her. And later, an older teenage girl turned her in and turned her onto drugs, then took her the homo route. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Since then, she's pulled down her pants and hopped into bed with anyone who would turn down the covers or part the bushes. Oh, father, I've got to get out of the cesspool. <sighs> yeah, it is a very like, because um, there were a lot of times when she starts to have like kind of homosexual thoughts about yeah. um First Beth, and then I forgot who else it was, but she like thinks she's going crazy and like attributes it to her like crazy drug lifestyle. Yeah. And I just thought, gosh, this poor girl is like never going to be happy. Yeah. Oh yeah. This this was the friend I think was Doris it her was the Doris. friend? Yeah, because it's sometime sometime in doing drugs with Doris, she like becomes gay for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's this part. Another question. There's like no dates in the Denver Odyssey. Uh, I'm actually the Denver Odyssey. literally and completely sick to my stomach. I want to puke all over the shitty world. <laughs> Most of the way down, we rode with a big, fat-assed, baby-screwing truck driver who picked what? us up and got his kicks by physically hurting Doris and watching her cry. And I snuck out, blah, blah, blah. 
the rally itself was great. And now she's just like referencing things we don't even hear about. Yeah. Um, and she went to a blah, rally, blah, blah. which was kind of a drug party. Well, here I didn't get I forgot, that. Yeah, I it about goes that. blah, 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 rally, blah, 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 acid. I love it. I love it. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, they keep saying love to each other. It's beautiful to watch. Color intermingled with color. People intermingled with people. Color and people intercoursing together. Next entry. I don't know what or when or where or who it is. I only know that I am now a priestess of Satan trying to maintain there after a freak out to test mm-hmm. how free everybody was and to take our vows. Yeah, she does a Satanist what? thing. Mm-hmm. She does a Satanist thing. She, she touches on it for like a sentence. And then another entry. But this time she says, Dear Diary, which she hasn't said in forever. I feel awfully con- bitched and pissed off at everybody. I'm really confused. I've been the digger here, but now when I face a girl, it's like facing a boy. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is when she starts, yeah, feeling yeah, she uh, just, gay thoughts. She's like, I want to get married and have a family, and I'd rather screw with a guy, but I can't. And I'm excited by girls. This book is really embarrassing. Yeah. Dear Diary, it's a thousand light years later, lunar time. Everybody's been storytelling except me. I don't have any stories worth telling. All I can do is drop pictures of monsters and internal organs and hate. Another day, another blowjob. Another day, another <laughs> blowjob. Yeah, what mean, a life. Mm-hmm. She, Yeah, she just starts using words that don't make sense that mm-hmm. she's never used before. She's saying, Dirty Ofe, who wants me to lay it on him, knows my ass is dragging, but he's doling out the only supply I know about. I'm almost ready to take on the fat cats, the rich Philistines, or even the whole public for one good shot. Goddamn big ass makes me do it before he gives me the load. Everybody's just lying around here like they're dead, and little Jacon is yelling... Mama, daddy can't come now. He's humping Carla. I gotta get out of this shithole. You read that with some great like rhythm. Yeah. I was like feeling that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> running I, that shithole. I, I kinda like when she decides this girl turns into like a street poet. Yeah, basically. she's very like, <laughs> like slam, slam poetry. Yeah. yeah. I kind of I wanted more of that and less of the oh. Oh, what a world. Oh, what a world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but whatever shall I do? Mm-hmm. I guess I'll try it. She's funner on drugs. I'm just going to say it. No, she is. She's so much more interesting on drugs. She's so fucking boring. Mm -hmm. Like, I was, as I was reading the beginning parts, I was like, when does she get on drugs? Like, I wanted it. Ugh. I wanted to go and find somebody who's holding. But the baby thing really bugged me. The girl next to her is having a baby and is talking about how they're all going to share the baby and raise her together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I asked her for an upper. and She just shook her head like a stupid blank. Like a stupid comma blank. Comma, and I realized that she's completely no. burned out. Behind that beautiful stone face is a big, dried-up bunch of ashes. And she's lying there like a stupid, ju- dumb shit who can't do anything. <laughs> Jeez she's like, I mean, she is fucking lost it. Mm-hmm. She, I don't, I, I was remembering also, this is a little bit of a turn from what we were talking about just now, but when she's um, back at home, they celebrate Christmas for like eight days. Yes. They cannot stop celebrating Christmas. They're like Christmas and then like various dinners, so many yeast rolls. Orange <laughs> she, yeast rolls. Orange <laughs> yeast rolls. The only thing she can really make, but she makes a whole dinner for the whole family. And then her dad says, you'll be a great wife to a young man someday. And she's like, I hope I so. I hope so. I, I wrote that down. Mm-hmm. Yep. When, she, when she gets back, suddenly she's saying a bunch of names that like we're we have to presume are they Denver kids? Oh, they're like the bad druggy says, kids. Yeah, it's like it seems inconceivable that all the time Chris and I were in Berkeley, we didn't find out anything about any of the kids. 
It was just one big tearing down everything and everybody vacuum. Tonight I learned about Mike and Marie and Heidi and Lilac and many others. I'll probably use up the rest of the pages writing about them. No, she doesn't. Because <laughs> we don't hear about them anymore. That's Beatrix uh, hinting at her expanded universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's in, that's in the uh, franchise. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys think there's any fanfic about this book? Oh. <laughs> any slash fic? Her and... Uh, her and that girl you were shipping her with, yeah. I should write that. You should. Mm. It'll be great. Ugh, I'll do it. No, I won't. I have no time. <laughs> Someone do it and then tag us oh, on yeah, AO3. She... <laughs> <laughs> when she stops doing drugs, she goes back and reads her entries and she's like, oh, holy yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, she says something like um, crazy. She calls herself like, it's not Beelzebub, but it's something like weird, right? Doesn't she say like an great. abomination or something? Like she uses some crazy... It was another person, someone else. It must have been. It had to be. Someone evil and foul and degenerate wrote in my book, took over my life. Yes, they did. They did. (laughs) They did. They did, I tell you. (laughs) She uses so many fucking adjectives in a row, and I don't know why. Yeah. I have lamented until I am dehydrated, but calling myself a wretched fool, a beggarly, worthless, miserable, paltry, mean, pitiful, unfortunate, woebegone, tormented, afflicted, shabby, disreputable, deplorable human being isn't going to help me either. I hate that. I hate that. so many. So she's sitting there in front of a thesaurus, right? Mm -hmm. Like she's just, remember her friend Fawn? She has that like good girlfriend at the end. Yes. Fawn. Mm -hmm. I was like, maybe I want to name my kid that. Fawn. It's nice. It is nice. Mm -hmm. Fawn. Makes me think of a little deer. The book, the it it huh? dad. <laughs> because I don't know the years things are taking place. It's possible that all of Denver happened in March. No, and then she's back by April. Yeah, I think you're probably I buy right. it. I think that this book, all of it, happens in like a year. Mm-hmm. I really hope that Denver took up a whole year because that was too crazy. Also, like, I just. Where are all of these, like, dens, these, like, crack dens that all of these kids are hanging out in? It's like, mm-hmm. it seems like Denver is rife with, like, drug dens. But, like... And why Denver? And why Had there Denver? been a lot, like, was Denver, like, New Berkeley? I have no I don't idea. Know. I feel like I don't Maybe Denver so. was just random. Maybe, Wait, where was she maybe originally? a lot of Mormon kids were moving to Colorado. Because oh. it's close to Utah. So close to Utah. Wait, so where did they start out? Where was she originally? Do we know? Because so she no, goes to San Francisco. It. It's, um, so we know it must be East Coast to West Coast because suddenly she's living in a Spanish-style home when they move. Oh, right, they move. I think maybe Stanford. Okay, Palo Alto. <laughs> the university. April 13th. Oh, I do hope that someday someone will want to marry me. Yeah, there's a lot of that tenor of stuff. And uh, at the end, what was the name of her, the like sensible boyfriend? Joel. Joel. There's a part where he surprises her and she comes down and she's just wearing casual clothes. And then she like kind of talks how she laughs about, oh, he said uh, uh, he's lucky he stayed put and didn't run out the door. Right then and there. Ha, ha, ha. Yep. And I, the person writing this diary, agree. Yep. Because like, she, what the fuck? she was like, well, father said that he had to convince him to stay because I was wearing cutoff jeans and grandpa's jacket. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, thank goodness I came down in my white dress and sandals afterwards. 
like you're, this is disgusting mm-hmm. to signify my purity mm-hmm. now that i'm <laughs> honey <laughs> now that i'm giving up my life of blowjobs and satanism her like weird idea of like sober she's still kind of a virgin because of sober sex mm-hmm. um reminds me of like um what's that phrase for like when every like everything but the vagina still means that you're a virgin but you can like do it up the butt yeah, I don't it's know. Like I didn't that. know there was this specific cat, I think it's called like a, a backdoor virgin or something like that. I'm just still laughing at do it up the butt. Do it up the butt. <laughs> Welcome back to do it up the butt with <laughs> Kelly Nugent. I'm just going to read some Wikipedia remaining a sober virgin. <laughs> the Lord can't see you if you're high while you're doing it. No. Um, I'm trying it. So, yeah, it's it has not even been a year. Yeah. She's getting hassled by May. Denver all happened in the month of March. <laughs> it was, um, I wanted to talk about like diary practices. Did you guys keep diaries when you were kids? No, yep. I didn't. Not regularly. I didn't, I didn't do it regularly, but I did do it. Um, I remember like not being truthful in my diary, which I think is a sign of like clinical narcissism, which I hope I don't have. I don't think I do. Wait, what? Like when you, um, uh, like lie i guess being not truthful in a diary is apparently like a sign of like being narcissistic or being a pathological liar well it seems like that's just what people do on social media now it's true (laughs) misrepresent themselves i would make shit up like crazy i'd write it as if it had happened that is amazing to me because that never occurred to me to were you just were you just having fun was it like fun to invent stuff um, it was you... stuff that I wished was true. Mm-hmm. And well, I really realized... that makes perfect sense. Well, like it's we I I was able okay, so I went through like a, a like renaissance of like who I think I am. Cause like I for a very long time was obsessed with being like the most in a room. So like the funniest, the prettiest, the coolest, the whatever. And so it was like this constant, like just like manic, like I would just pile on, I would uh uh I would like embellish stories all the time. Like everything would be hyperbolized. I would hyperbolize everything. And I would even as something was happening to me in real life, like I would think about like, okay, what's a way that I can spin this into a really interesting story so I can tell people. You were that conscious of it? Well, only looking back, looking at it. Like I was like, why do I fucking lie all the time? And I was, it was very weird. I like lied all the time. I needed everybody I met to be like in love with me to like, I the feeling of this person being like, wow, this person's like so cool was addictive. And I um, realized that my mom does that. She just lies about things. Like she'll just tell me things that happened. And it made me realize that like all the lies I told were very easily found out to be false and I wasn't fooling anybody. Um, And it took like uh, basically like a year of like not having any friends, like as a 22 year old, like I just lost all my friends and I was like, oh, it isn't that the world just doesn't get me. It's that like I'm really fucking annoying and like lie all the time. And I don't know. There was just this fear that like. What do you mean lost all your friends? Basically people stopped talking to me and like blew me off. And um, it just, I, it sucked. But um, I don't know. It was like important for me to go through because then I was like, oh, it's okay to just be you. And if people don't like you, then they don't like you. And not everybody can fucking like you. And you can't be the most in a room. Because there's always someone that's better than you at something, and that's fine. Um, well, yeah, it's me. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm the most in every room. 
But then it's like, <laughs> just why this story has been so weird, Kelly. <laughs> Of course you can be the most you're in just the like, room if um, you're me. And. <laughs> um, but so I, I don't know. I attribute a lot but I mean, of that I stuff can't, to. I, I want to be the most in the room. And that is the perfect way of phrasing that. Being but the most. I don't think that you're like strange for wanting that. Yeah. I think there's a part of us that always wants to impress people or like leave people like the thing was I was addicted to leaving people floored or at least thinking that I was leaving people floored and being like, wow, she's fucking awesome. When it's how, like how like, can you give it an example of something you would have said to oh my God. people floored? Well, I'm, I'm no, okay. kind of having trouble it, wrapping my it's just head like, around this because you're such a normal human being. Well, now there's been like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> but I mean, that's why I, I can't because I'm, I don't see that in you at all. Um, well, I was, I, I really hate the person I was in early college and probably high school too. Uh, it was just like any time I could tell, like I would change things about like who I was. Like I would tell people things that weren't true about me, but they had a grain of truth to them. Um, and like just random things like, um, like I'd say that I went to like Germany, France and Italy when I only went to France and Italy. Like it was stuff like that. Like just, I would add just on add to like tiny things, little bit. but there was one, huh. this is really embarrassing and I really <laughs> fucking hate remembering it cause it's so embarrassing. Okay. This was in college and it's only because looking back, I was like, nobody fucking bought that Kelly. You're an idiot. Um, in college, uh. I also had problems with male attention, specifically male attention. Like I needed guys to be like floored by me. And so I walked into this. <laughs> there was this apartment of guys and I like walk in the room. I'm like, yeah, fuck, I'm fucking hot shit. And I'm walking in and um, you're mumbling that mm-hmm, I'm, you're I'm doing it. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when people do that. Um, so here's the truth of the story. OK. OK. My mom is fluent in French because she went to like a French school. Uh, school in Vietnam. Okay. So I thought it would be cool to tell all these people that I could speak French. Oh, why would you do that? I don't know. You can't prove that. <laughs> oh my God. So I walk in and one of the guys is about to go study abroad in France. And he's got this little, like someone gave him as a joke, like this little book that's like common phrases mm-hmm. in French, but it's like kind of jokes and stuff too. So I like, I like pick it up. I'm like, let me quiz ya, which already I hate that I did that. And I like flip open the book and I start thinking that I can just wing it, that I can just read it. And he will be like, wow, she really knows French. I don't know how to read French. I don't know what I was reading. I don't know how to read French. And I would say him and he wouldn't know what I was. He was like, I don't know. And I was just like, (laughs) I'm really killing it. He thinks that I know French. And he was like, I guess I'm just like only good at reading French and not hearing it because he was a nice person that didn't want to call me out about lying, about knowing French. And that is something that I think about probably once a month, right <laughs> as I'm about to fall asleep. And I'm like, fuck you, Kelly. Why the fuck did you do that? But it's things like that. It's like these little lies where I'm just like, I want people to think that I am so capable. And I think that's something that I still want now, but I understand that it's okay to not, to just say, I don't know about something rather than, I don't know. It's think, weird. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of, I think my version of that is trying to give off an air of being like above it all, like mm. like kind of an amount of 
jadedness that I don't actually feel, Mm -hmm. but that I've almost taken on as like an affectation Mm. that I've picked up from other people Mm -hmm. because there's so much of that in like the circles we run in. Mm -hmm. It's very true. Yeah. And so I think I've like adopted that and incorporated it into my personality when at heart, I don't know that that's really who I am. And there is something too with that like jadedness that shows that you a like are experienced and like so you're not surprised by things and um that you're like okay that you're like physically comfortable in the space that you're in because you're jaded. Yeah, I think it it's something that I put on as like a protective mm-hmm. suit for sure. So that whatever is happening like I'm above it and it's like it's happening below me but like w- like water off a duck's back or mm-hmm. whatever. Admitting, I think that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I feel that way about anything. Mm. Yeah, admitting vulnerability publicly, whether it's like just simply saying I, I don't know, or whether it's actively putting up some kind of like emotional shield. Uh, admitting vulnerability is so hard, and it's something I work on very actively to not do that kind of stuff lately. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I totally relate to both of those things. Oddly, I think I also use emotional vulnerability as a protective shield. Well, because you're like, I'm going to do it so that you don't do it to me. Incredibly personal information that I do have a connection with, but I'll put it out there and then immediately a wall will go up mm-hmm. where I feel disconnected from whatever I said. Because you're controlling like, the even, narrative. Even yeah. throwing out the thing about like my dad kind of giving my sister and I shit for still being virgins, mm-hmm. like... That's a real sore spot with me. Mm-hmm. But I threw it out like, cool as a cucumber, baby. But it is because when I say it, I immediately disconnect from it. Yeah. Because I'm compartmentalizing that emotion. But I can share it as if I'm like comfortable being vulnerable. But I'm only comfortable being vulnerable because I have, I'm like employing a like technique or device mm-hmm. or affectation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah, I share stuff about myself, la, la, la. But that in itself is almost the act, mm-hmm. even though it's all true. So it's like, yeah. I d- it's not that I'm lying, but mm-hmm. but I, I throw it up there as a protective shield. So it's like, well, I share this so you, I can't be hurt by it. Yeah, it is. It's it. I am constantly like trying to work on like just being a more like honest version of me. Always. And it's like doing that kind of sucks because like a lot of times you do have to look at yourself in a really unsavory way. And like a lot of times um, I like think a lot about my whole day when I'm running and I'll like go through and I'll be like, okay, like this interaction happened. I didn't like how that happened. Why didn't I like how that happened? And I'll peel it back and I'll be like, oh, it's because I was embarrassed. And like, why was I embarrassed? Because I didn't know something or because um, I acted in a way that I didn't like why did I act that way? Because I wanted attention. And like, it's always like something worse underneath. And I think the beginning journey that I've done, that I'm done with is like, I know very easily now how to identify like why I did something. And I think being okay with like the fact that I wanted attention or that I wanted what whatever the impulse was, un- like being mindful of it and being like, okay, that was like a thing that I felt. And like, that's okay that I felt that way. Yeah, I just the- need to figure out how to better address that instead of like acting out in the way that I did. Yeah. The- the point is creating mindfulness about mm-hmm. about your like inauthentic behavior, mm-hmm. which I, I think I don't do enough. 
I don't think I do it enough either. I don't know if y'all relate to this, but I feel like we're touching on the same thing. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, you can try, I, but already we're I like can't make it. guards up. I won't be able to make it. I'm busy. Okay. Okay. We have a moment of silence. <laughs> what you were you going to say, Greg? The bit land. Okay. Got to lean into it. End the bit, bit landed. <laughs> and stuck the landing. Um, I am very, very, very forgiving and flexible of other people's kind of weird behaviors. Mm-hmm. And I'm very willing to go, they're just going through a thing. They're just having a bad thing. This is probably what's at the root of it. I, I'm okay. It's okay that they did this weird thing to me because of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have a huge problem doing that with me. And my mm-hmm. therapist once framed it to me uh, very bluntly. Uh, I was talking about like just shit I was doing and how mad at myself I was and like stuff like that. And she said, like, what would it be like if the thing you just described that you did, if someone else did that to you? And I said, well, I think I would say, oh, I think I understand. And she just said, so why can't you do that to yourself? And then I I sort of like melted into a a bowl of jelly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I was just like jelly on her couch for a while. Mm -hmm. And then they had to come sweep me out. Mm -hmm. And then she said, you got to stop using humor as a way to deflect. What are you talking about? (laughs) Kelly, I literally... Turned into jelly. That was me laying out the facts. Mm. Uh, um, no, yeah, I get that. That's such a common thing is that we, we're we like, oh. imagine speaking to a friend the way you speak to yourself mm-hmm. in your head. But I think we, you would be the worst fucking friend on the face of the you planet. You wouldn't let anything fucking fly, ever. But I think we actually touched on this to live with. a while ago where it was like, is that rooted in narcissism? Because we expect more from ourselves. Because we're like, like in a weird like mirror mm. image of narcissism where you're like, well, I should be better than that. I don't, I, not in a pathological way. I no, think not a lot in of an evil are, way. Yeah, are rooted <laughs> in maybe narcissism because it's like, no, no. I think narcissism is the opposite where you justify everything you do. I guess that's true. Yeah. Mm. So whatever the opposite is that. Is, yeah, whatever you do is the correct thing to do because you're not the type of person who does incorrect things. Yeah. Okay. I guess I meant in the colloquial sense of narcissism rather than clinical. Because clinical, for sure, it's not that. Because that's like, well, I'm right. Do you, So you mean like... Like that you think you're self better. In, or, I mean, it's... It's being a little... Perfectionism? Perfectionism or? and self-indulgence, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I can see elements of... All of those. I do explain away shit for other people, though, too much. That's actually what I was going to say, Is and this is where I thought you were going, is that I have a problem with making things okay in the moment that I shouldn't make okay. Oh, me too. Mm -hmm. To the point where I don't really know the difference. So it's like, I don't know what is actually okay and isn't okay, because I will make everything okay because... I need that because if it's not okay, then I have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to deal with the idea that it, a bad thing has just happened. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But then do you guys do that thing where in the moment you're like, it's okay. They're going through a thing. But then later that thought will surface and oh, you're like, yeah. what the fuck? It's like, I, I thought I let that happen. later. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And oh still, it's, God. and still, it's, how could I let that slide? Yeah. It's still like, how could I have let them oh, do yeah. that? It's how could t- I? My fault. Yes. Yeah. Guys, we are a swirling vat of I'm just hatred. <laughs> and I need to lose seven slobby, sloppy, oh. disgusting <laughs> pounds. If Red I eat Alice, one more Alice French fried it. potato. You know what? All of this, you guys, we should just go take some hearts, mm-hmm. come down with some tranks, mm-hmm. blow some truck drivers. 
then we don't have to think about it. Um, just to fi- like finish the story of um, our anonymous girl, we she got- did die. Oh, yeah. She did die three weeks after her decision not to keep another diary. And the end is very, she's back to her like beginning self where she's like, well, gosh, things are looking mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And you think everything's going to be fine. And it was like the heartwarming tale of a girl who um, won her battle with drugs. Mm-hmm. It's like, I used to think I would get another diary after you were filled or even that I would keep a diary or journal through my whole life. Blah, blah, blah. I hope so, for you are my dearest friend, and I shall thank you always for sharing my tears and heartaches and my struggles and strifes and my joys and happiness. It's all been good in its own special way, I guess. See ya. Dead. See ya. Dead. 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 Well, dead. 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 R.I.P. Anonymous. I, yes. She dies, and it's like right after she's like really cleaned up her act, and she's like probably going to marry Joel, but we gotta talk more about that insane asylum we gotta talk more about how she stripped her skin off mm-hmm. in that closet yeah i mean she just she After thought there she were bugs ate that peanut she ate the peanut yeah and then she thought there were bugs under her skin and she ripped chunks of her face and hair off yeah so it's july 7th and all of a sudden question mark I'm so grateful that they would let mom bring you to me in your battered, padlocked little case. (laughs) I was terribly embarrassed when the nurse made me use the combination and dump both of you out and my extra pencils and pens. I have tried to piece the whole thing together, but I can't. The nurses and doctors keep telling me I will feel better, but I still can't get straight. I can't close my eyes because the worms are still crawling on me. Mm. They're eating me. They're crawling through my nose and gnawing in my mouth, and oh God, I must... Get you back in your case because the maggots are crawling off my bleeding, writhing hands into your pages. I will lock you in. You will be safe. Like, <laughs> the last thing we knew is that she was babysitting. Yep. Yeah. And she's and like, oh. all of a sudden, I was like, what is she talking about? Yeah, I actually flipped what, back. Worms? Yeah, I went back and forth going, oh, fuck, I missed a page. I missed what's and then going there's on. That. But no. Then there's the weird sexual shame part where she's talking about how the worms are eating just her vagina and boobs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. I, that I was that. like, I I clenched my butt oh, when I read that yeah. part. The worms are eating away my female no. parts first. They have almost entirely eaten away my vagina and my breasts, and now they are working on my mouth and throat. Ew, those are your female parts? Yeah, I don't yeah, have I don't Another have day, throat. another blowjob. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, because your mouth and your throat are a sexual organ. Gross. God I wish the doctors and nurses would let my soul die, but they are still experimenting with trying to reunite the body and the spirit. Hmm. Yeah, that's really weird. My female parts first. After my vagina and breasts, they're going to get to her mouth and throat because of all the blowjobs she gave? This is, that is what such that a means? weird fucking sexual shame spiral. Jesus Christ, Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Well, you crazy crow. She's a crazy crow. A fly got into my room today and I couldn't stop screaming. Oh, yeah. I was so afraid oh, he was yeah. going to lay more maggot eggs on my face and hands and body. It took two nurses to kill him. I can't let flies get on me. Maybe I will have to stop sleeping. I actually liked that oh. part. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder if my hands will ever look like hands again. The ends of my finger look like hamburger cooking under the sun lamp. Oh. Mm-hmm. I have to keep looking closely to be sure they aren't getting wormy. Wormy. Like, I don't understand why whatever drug she took lasts for days and days and she thinks that she's covered in worms i mean i know it's acid but i think it's one of those like 
You know how they it's say like insane. there's the, that one like if you keep doing acid, there's going to be that one trip where you don't come back. I think she's like not coming back because remember when she goes home and she's just like planning her mom's birthday and then she has a like flashback. She's like a fugue stating. Yeah, she has that flashback and she wakes up and she's just nude on the floor and she oh, yeah. remembers like. So I think it is like that she's not coming back. Oh yeah, she. I thought it was a dream, but she sees grandpa. Right, covered in all the worms. Right, that's in the, the throes of her fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right after she takes it, so it's, I I tried to stomp on them and beat them to death. The worms, da, da, da. they were in my nose. <laughs> I tried to stomp mouth. on them and beat them to death. The worms, the worms. Asterisk. That's, the worms. that's <laughs> that was my addition. Um, they were in my nose and my mouth and my throat, choking me, strangling me. Tapeworms, larvae, grubs, disintegrating my flesh, crawling on me, consuming on me. Um. I was screaming and screaming and trying to claw my way out of the casket, but they wouldn't let me go. Here we go. From the shape I'm in now, I guess when I tried to get the worms off me, hunks of flesh and hair came out in my own hands. How I cracked my head, I don't know. Maybe I was trying to beat the bummer out of my skull. I so really that don't woman's, remember. Uh, Mrs. Laney or Delaney or whatever, her closet is just like covered in blood and mm-hmm. and, and pieces skin and hair yeah. and flesh that poor woman i know and the babies in the, the next baby. room <laughs> oh man <laughs> i'm glad that she did say like well thank goodness i didn't kill the baby she's like thank god thank god oh god oh god i was oh i was hoping i could go home because my hands are healing and most of the bruises have started to fade the doctor said it will be a year before my hands are completely better with the two nails really grown out, but in a few more weeks, they should be fit to look at. She didn't, she lost two of her fingernails. Yeah. This book is just so, like, it's just it's too ins- much. It's, it's yeah. like, too much. It, like, we are so desensitized. I think that you're right, Greg, that if we had just, like, I know that's not what this book is about, but if we had it's, just explored eating disorder and, like, um, like feeling distant from your parents and um, and the realities of drug and use. and depression. Sure. Then great, but but this, this is, is like insane. I, like I'm so desensitized. I don't care about this character. Mm-hmm. This is and maybe on purpose. Exactly a year Ugh. after Give she me starts a doing break. drugs. Give me it a goddamn seventh. She's so she she eats the peanut. She eats the acid nut. On July 7th, and she had started right, July doing drugs July 10th of the previous That's year. Because right. she it's keeps mentioning too, July 10. It's too grotesque and too extreme to be of any kind of help. Yeah. 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 It's not helpful. And on this, on this thought that it's okay. just, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. If she had actually focused on the depression... Then it then that would have been a story that people could relate to. But this is like so fucking it's, bananas. It's yeah. comically... Too much. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where it is a parody mm-hmm. of what actually happens. Yeah. Like it in total, I'm sure events like this happen, but within a year of doing drugs, like she goes from 15 to 16 mm-hmm. and this is her life. It's too much. It's too much. Um, yeah. Overall, I'd say it didn't make me af- like I have a fear of like being drugged by strangers enough it didn't give me a more fear i didn't think that i was going like i'm not afraid that i'm going to end up hooked on heroin after reading this book not anymore not anymore (laughs) 12 year old me sure i was afraid 
But um, at this point, it's just like, it's a hell of a read. And it is it is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. It is crazy that, like, to read it now as an adult and think that, like, it was real. Yeah. yeah. That is so goofy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Because reading it now, it's so obviously not written by a teenage girl. I think the fear that I had reading this book was mostly that people with this author's worldview exist. Yeah. That's legitimately scary to me. It was more a look into her psyche than any invented teenage runaway drug addict. It reminds me of like, um, I have an aunt who definitely has this mindset, um, who posts a lot of articles about like things they're doing these days. So she's always mm-hmm. like, well, you know, if you find a, a flyer on your car, don't get it, don't get out of your car and take it off because they're going to steal your car. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing these days, these sickos. And I'm like, first yep. of all, I wouldn't call car theft like a person, a sicko. Like, <laughs> that's just like someone yeah. that's committing a crime. <laughs> yeah. That's a criminal. Yeah. But again, I like watch a lot of like Bates Motel and I watched a lot of Hannibal. So like sicko for me is like pretty high. The bar is high. Yeah. <laughs> that being said. But there is something about this where it's she's turning it. It starts to feel like a fetish. Yes. Yeah. There's like, a there's a fetishization like of into yeah. how yeah, bad it's getting. For sure. Like she is taking a specific kind of glee in torturing Alice with this life. I, oh, of course. Yeah. Well, you, like I'm just not to bring it back to that fucking aunt again, but like I know that as she's like typing the stuff up, she's like, "Can you?" But like she's excited. There's like yeah. a gleefulness in sh- in saying how horrible the other is it's all of the same entertainment that people get by listening to true crime Mm -hmm. podcasts with none of the self-awareness exactly true yeah true story beatrice Um, we've got your number mm -hmm. thank you so much for doing the show greg thank you so much for having having us read this book of course yeah yeah. um do you have anything you want to plug sure uh oh you can follow me on twitter and instagram they're both at smith l greg if you're in Los Angeles, you can come see Quick and Funny Musicals, which is a musical comedy team I'm on, at the UCB Theater. We're the fourth Tuesday of every month. Uh, our show this month is a Star Wars Spring Awakens mashup. I play a Gungan. I don't want to say anything <laughs> else, but he goes on a real journey. And that's at UCB Sunset? It's UCB Sunsets. Woo! 8.30 p.m., fourth Tuesday. Awesome. Awesome. So keep it creepy with us on Team Creep. Bye! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Team Creeps. Our artwork is by James Mulholland. Our theme music is by Mike Carlson. If you like what you hear, please, please, please like, subscribe, rate. It really does help a lot. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Teen Creeps Pod. You can also email us at teencreepspod at gmail.com. And um, we really like talking with you guys on social media. It's super fun to uh, engage with you about these awesome and awesomely bad books. So keep it creepy. (laughs) 